the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And as we can see every day in the news, the need for people to fulfill the obligations of that most important political office to preserve our Constitution, our freedom, and our republic is crystal clear every day to anyone paying attention. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. I'm joined after two weeks of absence by my co-host, Don Dix. And uh, welcome back, Don. And he's the he's a radio host with, for a daily show here, Jen and Don, occasionally on The Morning Answer. And he's now a campaign manager. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point. And to help us sort things out here, specifically in California, is Craig Huey. His profession is marketing, uh, but he's trying to apply this into politics. Uh, Carolyn and I, who will we help run the uh, Tea Party Patriots, we saw him speak at the California Tea Party Caucus in Fresno. We both looked at each other and goes, we need to get him for our meeting. And he kindly agreed to and uh, was everything we could have hoped for in terms of the situation in California and mobilizing Christians to vote their values. He ha- you can find him at craighuey.com and also at Election Forum, where he has materials that are designed for to help Christians apply their values in the public arena and in, and in voting. And welcome to the show, Craig. Thanks so much for joining us. Don and Greg, it's great to be here. It's great to have you here. And uh, I love that you're talking about vote your values because uh, from, for my money, this is shaping up to probably be one of the most consequential elections uh, in modern history. And we keep saying that, it seems, as every election passes. Uh, but I'm curious about your from your perspective, uh, is it from your perspective, number one and number two, there's this elusive group out there called evangelical Christians that don't seem to show up at the polls in numbers sufficient enough to have their values have an impact. What are we going to do to get those people out to vote? Well, you know, that's a great question because it is a fact, and many people don't recognize it, but the evangelical born-again voters are one of the most important voting blocks in California and in America. In fact, uh, in California... There, it's the second largest evangelical voting block in the United States, and and there's there's a real tragedy that's going on here. So nationwide, there's 80 million born again evangelical uh, voters, but 35 to 40 percent do not vote, and and among those who, uh, meaning that they're not even registered to vote, they don't even register to vote. You know, 84% of the Muslim population is registered to vote. But evangelicals, 35 to 45% 
do not register. And then among those who do register, Don and Greg, 45 to 50 percent of 5 percent don't vote. Mm. And, and, and so in this 2016 election, 52 percent of the Christians, evangelical born-again Christians, did not vote. 48 percent voted. That's stunning numbers. But within that, and you pointed out in your talk, the 81% of those who did vote, vote for Donald Trump. And if, and if he hadn't gotten that level of turnout and that level of those who turned out voted for him, we'd have, heaven forbid, God forbid, Hillary Clinton as president. Yes. Hey, when you think about this, just, just, just think back on 2016, just before the election. You know, Hillary Clinton thought she was going to win. The Democrats thought uh, Hillary Clinton would win. The polls showed that Hillary Clinton would win. The Republicans thought Hillary Clinton would win. And Donald Trump thought Hillary, Hillary Clinton would win. It, 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 you know, it was an impossibility. And nobody thought it could happen. But when you look at the swing states, something happened under the radar. You see, in those swing states... Uh, it, what, what, what was absolutely amazing tra- transpired in that uh, the low propensity, meaning the, the, the people who normally don't vote uh, that are evangelical born-again Christians, they went out and voted. Now, that hasn't happened in the other election. Trump did get 81%. It turned out that 25% of all the votes in 2016 were evangelical voters. But the key to it was that there were a mobilization of pastors and churches and Christian organizations that targeted the Christians that normally don't get out to vote. And you see, Trump was talking about defending Israel. Trump was talking about uh, putting a conservative uh, on the Supreme Court and getting rid of this judicial activism. Trump was talking about uh, 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 the persecuted church. He was talking about uh, defunding Planned Parenthood. All these key issues helped stir up that low propensity voter, and the pastors got their people registered who weren't registered and got them to the polls. And it's unbelievable what happened in those states. The polls didn't show it, but all these evangelicals went out and voted and it gave Trump the margin. The miracle of 2016 was that he got elected, and that was because of the miracle of the evangelicals going out. You related the story of how a large group of pastors were, were, were called to a meeting with Donald Trump, and yep. they came in, you know, maybe only a third supported him, a third opposed him, and a third were unsure. Tell us what happened in that meeting. Yes, um... It, it was amazing. Um, Trump called for the evangelicals to come hear him, hear his heart, hear his positions. And at first it was like 25, 30 of us were going to go. Then it became a, a couple hundred, then uh, four or five hundred. It got over a 500, close to 800 people. And these were mega church pastors. These, it was Franklin Graham. It was, it was Greg Laurie. It was David Jeremiah. It was these uh, uh, radio. I was sitting at a, a table with Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man, and, and all these evangelical leaders. And like like you said, a third were against Trump, a third didn't know, and a third were for him. And he comes out on the stage, and he looks at them, 
He says, the first thing I'm going to do as president is restore to you your First Amendment rights, and I will get rid of the Johnson Amendment. Now, what the Johnson Amendment is, it was the bill passed in 1954 that said that pastors and uh, could not make endorsements or talk about political issues from the pulpit, or they'd lose their tax exemption. And from that moment on, the churches had learned to be silent. Instead of being the salt and light in the community, they've been silent on these issues. History of America has been the pastors were the conscience of the community. They, they were, that was taken away in 54. He's the first person ever running for president who said he'd do away with the Johnson Amendment. Everybody looked at, their, at each other in shock, and then they stood up, and they applauded like you can't believe. And then after about four or five minutes of applause, they sat down. And then he said, I will appoint a conservative to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. And they all stood up. And he said, I will make Jerusalem where our consulate is in Israel. And they all stood up. And he kept going down this list. And it was a transformation at that point. Hmm. And, and to this day, nobody, no, no Republican, no Democrat, nobody ever got 81% of the evangelical vote. And that's because these Christian leaders saw that his policies, they, they, you know, looking beyond his language, looking beyond his past, looking beyond all these things, they looked at what he stood for. And today, we take a look at all these things he's promised, he's fought for, he's accomplished most of them, and, and so he's retained an incredible evangelical support. We need to take a break right now, Craig. I want to come back. There's a lot of this story that is unfolding also in California, a very similar sort of a thing we want to get your opinion on. We're talking to Craig Huey. You can learn more about his work at com. And Craig also has a voter guide for judgeships. Uh, we'll talk more about that. We'll learn more about what we need to do to get that evangelical vote out in this most consequential election as we continue with Craig Huey and his recommendations for this coming election after a message from our sponsor. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with Craig Huey after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender. If you're considering a new home purchase or the refinance of a current home, and you know everything about every financial option, your income is plain vanilla, straight salary, and you have perfect credit, then perhaps dealing with one of those online lenders you see on TV makes sense. However, if you don't consider yourself a financial expert and you want someone you can trust to listen to what you're looking for and suggest the best option for you, then call us at Wholesale Capital at 855-640-2020. Whether you're a millennial buying your first house, a baby boomer wondering how to get out of debt before retirement, or a retiree who needs a plan to help you live more comfortably, we can find products and strategies that fit your scenario. In the age of rising interest rates, increasing home values, and mortgage products that are changing daily, you might want to talk to the experts that can help navigate through some options to figure out the best plan for you. Call Wholesale Capital at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, weekends right here on AM590, The Answer. AM590, The Answer. 
This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. Every show, we try to make it crystal clear how important it is for individuals to go vote, to make sure that they... Uh, actually go go beyond the vote but what we're learning with our guest this hour Craig Huey who does a lot of work to encourage the evangelical community to get out and take these elections seriously is that there's a vast percentage of evangelical Christians that are not registered to vote, which makes it incredibly important for folks to get out uh, at churches and register uh, their body to vote. But there was recently a conference, two conferences, in fact, one in San Diego, one in Orange County, uh, organized by something called the California Renewal Project, where I think numbers uh, range from what, Craig, 250 to 300, 400 pastors that attended these conferences that were imploring them to uh, in, engage their congregations to get out and vote in this most uh, important uh, election coming up, this midterm on November 6th. What did you see? What did you learn? What was the reaction to pastors uh, at this conference? It was pretty amazing. Uh, pastors usually are fearful of getting involved in politics because of the Johnson Amendment we talked about, because they're concerned about people uh, within their fellowship that might disagree with a certain political issue. And and, and 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 so what we had were Baptists, we had Assemblies of God, Foursquare, we had Calvary Chapels, we had all kinds of independent churches, conservative or Pentecost, all, all types. And these pastors sat and they listened to speaker after speaker talking about America's history of pastors being the key to cultural and political change. They heard about the key issues and how the pastors can speak up and should speak up about it and how to do so legally without fear of the IRS. They were sitting there learning about, here in California, there's a war on Christianity out of Sacramento. There's a war on Christianity in many of the counties and city uh, levels that is absolutely shocking. And it doesn't matter which pastor, they all recognized it. They recognized that they, uh, the politicians in Sacramento were trying to stop homeschooling. They were trying to chase uh, uh, Christian colleges like uh, Cal Baptist and like Azusa and uh, like Biola out of California. Uh, they knew about the Ban the Bible uh, bill that, that is going to be coming back. And, and these pastors have had enough, and they listened to an action plan of vote, getting their fellowships, their, their, their congregations to register and an action plan on getting them out to vote. Well, sure, because well, I mean, we've long wondered where the church is, and you to the two factors, and I think the dissension, internal dissension is a greater factor because no church has ever lost its tax-exempt status for favoring or opposing legislation. Never, ever, ever. But that... Where are they? And they may have different issues. You mentioned uh, in our discussion off the air, some of the uh, Hispanic churches they were, had immigration issues that maybe they were concerned with. But now they see their very religious freedom at stake. And they're going, wow, we, maybe we, this issue takes precedence over everything else. Because if we can't speak freely, if we can't preach freely, if we can't preach the gospel freely, where are we? Yeah. 
you know, it, it's like a tipping point, and they recognize there's a cultural and political tipping point. We're at it, and that's where our, I, 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 I've done this election form at churches now for about 20 years. Well, I'll go to a church, uh, and I'll go straight down the ballot, and I'll explain who, who, what candidates there are and where they stand on the issues, and I'll show where they stand on the issues. I won't tell people how to vote, just where they stand on the issues. And it's eye-opening. And I talk about the propositions and the judges, and, and, and the, those churches become mobilized, education, equipped to be able to vote. And they, it's transformational. I'll give you an example. At Calvary Chapel, Montebello, it's 95% Democrat and independent. Uh, uh, Pastor Pablo has had me speak there on Sunday mornings. He's had me speak there on Saturday, uh, Sunday nights. And I'll, I'll do this election form, and I'll have people coming up to me, and we'll have hundreds of people registering to vote who weren't voted. And they're registering to vote because they want to vote their values. They, they, we explain to them there's a difference between you, whatever your position might be on the on health care or minimum wage or or some issue like that. What's more important? Is it protecting the unborn? Is it protecting the persecuted church? Is it standing up for Israel? Is, it, it, how important is marriage to you? How important is it that the baker and the and, and the the florist and the photographer they're going they're 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 being uh, made criminals because of their uh, their faith. They're being forced to violate their conscience, and the the fellowships. They, they, we've had people come up, Don and Greg, that have been in tears. They say, Craig, my husband told me to vote this way, or the union told me to vote this way, or I was registered uh, as a Democrat and I always had to vote progressive, and I can't do it anymore. I can't vote for a candidate. That, that is for abortion. I can't vote for a candidate that won't stand by Israel. And it's transformational when they learn how to vote their values, and, and it motivates them to get out to vote. And so with this, just think about this, this, this statistic. In California, in 2016, 7.2 million evangelicals did not vote. In California, in 2016, 6.7 million did. There's about 14 million evangelicals. And, and interesting, the person who's running for governor in the state of California is a born-again evangelical Christian. In fact, uh, John Cox, running for governor, one of his lifelong issues has been pro-life. And Gavin Newsom is making the abortion issue one of his number one issues because he thinks he can defeat Cox because of the abortion issue. That's why Christians have to, who believe in life, believe in Psalms 139, they need to stand up and get to the poll. There, there's a, I, I go down in these election forms, who else is a believer in Christ? And it's amazing that we actually have some candidates uh, who uh, are even pastors running. And, 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 and we have judges who defend Christian rights uh, who are running. And, and we identify who they are, and it helps people vote their values. That is amazing. Just speaking quickly on, on the judges, because coming up on this November ballot, you're going to have 
retention elections on Court of Appeal and Supreme Court justices, and most people have no idea who these people are or whether they're a good person, a bad person, what their positions are on anything. But you've gone through and looked at their records and compiled this at judgevoterguide.com, and you rate the judges as to whether a conservative or a Christian should be voting, you know, consistent with their values, vote for that particular judge. So that's judgevoterguide.com. Yes, and in this important election, uh, there's going to be many judges on the ballot. And just the California Supreme Court, uh, one of the Obama's Department of Justice lawyers, part of the deep state, progressive, no experience other than pol- being a political operative, was appointed by Jerry Brown to be a California Supreme Court judge. And she has the most radical left-wing uh, uh, worldview you can imagine, and it's reflected in her decisions. And voters are going to be voting on her. And, and that's why it's so critical that people know how to vote and not vote uh, 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 for the wrong person. And so we've evaluated who these are, and it's all there on the website. Let's take another break here, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about you're going to be in the Inland Empire tomorrow after this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, right here on AM 590, The Answer. License by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 01147747, NMLS and California Finance Lenders license number 603K610. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And I love this quote from Louis Gohmert. It's in God's hands. Does not mean we can lean on our shovels and wait for the hole to dig itself. Ditches don't dig themselves. And we have on the line to talk to who trying to get more people to realize that, Craig Huey, and you can find more about him at craighuey.com or electionforum.com. And uh, you're going to be in Redlands tomorrow. Tell us about that. Yes, I'll, I'll be in Redlands, and I'm going to be going straight down the ballot. The first thing I do is I talk about what a Christian worldview is. Then I talk about how a Christian can determine to vote their values. And then we'll go down to judges and the governor and down into the local races. We'll cover all the propositions. And then I'll have a call to action. I'll, I'll, I'll tell those people at the church, what can they now do to be able to just completely turn this state around and make California great again? How to turn this state around and be able to protect 
uh, Christians and 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 pastors in the state. That is an important event, and I think that anybody who is listening to this show uh, it needs to reach out to their fellow uh, evangelicals, their fellow Christians, and get them to this meeting because there's only. Uh, like six weeks left before the election, uh, mail-in ballots will be sent out on the 10th of October. So for probably the majority of those who are going to vote November 6th, they're actually going to receive those ballots the week of October 10th, probably start sending them in that week. So for 25% of the people that are out there voting, there's only three weeks between now and the time they'll actually vote. It's very, very important, and so I, I, I would love to have and meet uh, your listeners. Uh, they're welcome to come. There's no charge. Um, it's nonpartisan. Um, you know, uh, I explain the issues. They can make up their own mind once they hear the issues, but it really is transformational. They'll be able to get our voter guide and see the difference between all the candidates. So they'll see, for example, on the attorney general, and this attorney general we have in California is as an attorney general that is at war with Christian Christianity, at war with people of faith, and uh, and, and uh, the person running against him happens to be an evangelical Christian and a judge and somebody who understands the importance of the rule of law. And one more time, that's going to be at the Trinity Church. What time? That'll be at seven o'clock. Trinity Church in Redlands, I'm sure you can find it, find it on the internet. Uh, Craig Huey is a great speaker. I can say it to that personally. Thank you, Craig, for being on our show and everything you're doing for the cause. Very good. Thank you. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen and Greg. There is a movie that is coming out. It's going to be released on October the 12th. It's called Gosnell. It's about this abortion doctor that nobody wanted to cover uh, back in 2010 when this, uh, uh, what essentially is a uh, serial killer uh, in the abortion industry was uh, arrested and tried. There's a movie coming out on October the 12th, and the individuals that wrote this book that documented this heinous crime are with us right now. The the individual who wrote the book, who wrote the co-wrote uh, co the screenplay, and actually wrote and helped produce the movie. Ann McElhinney is with us right now to talk to us about exactly what unfolded back then, a little bit about the movie. And it's a pleasure to have you with us on your on your national tour to promote this movie. Thank you for joining us. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about how you and your husband got involved in this story and what you learned. Yeah, so it's kind of very much an accident. We have made a documentary about fracking called Frack Nation. And my husband, Salem McAleer, was traveling around Pennsylvania, you know, showing that, showing that film. And, you know, he, he, he ended up with a couple of days he had off in Philadelphia. And he heard about this local crime story. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to check out what, what this is all about. He goes to his courtroom. And they'd reserved the largest courtroom they had because they expected so much, you know, journalistic interest in this. And he goes into this large courtroom. And it's like the Mary Celeste, you know, he sees a jury, up at the jury they had 
a screen and they were projecting images onto that screen of the children, of some of the 47 children who had died. And they had witnesses standing there giving evidence about this unbelievably heinous crime. And there was no, basically no reporters there. So my, my husband attended the trial for three days and came back to Los Angeles and said, this is what we've got to do now, guys. And we, my, I'm his wife and our business partner, Magdalena Segeda. Both of us said, no, we want nothing to do with abortion. Uh, we were agnostic on the subject, which, you know, really is pro-abortion if you're agnostic, because you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, and we, you know, we read the transcripts. He asked us, would we read the transcripts? We read the transcripts, and we had a swift education and a swift, uh, you know, come to Jesus, really, on the issue, because we did not know. It was just so shocking. And what's really shocking is that journalists, dereliction of duty in not reporting this. And we're journalists, and we take the job very seriously. And we thought, you know what, we're going to, we're going to make a movie about this. With movies, nothing really quite speaks to the nation, to this country, particularly America, as much as a, as a Hollywood movie. And we've made a Hollywood movie. We've got Dean Kane in the lead role. We've got, you know, Michael Beach, actors that everyone would know. We've got Nick Searcy acting in the movie and also is one of the directors, is the director, I should say, of the film. Um, and, you know, people need to see this because no one knew this happened. People don't know this happened. I'm at a, right now, if you can hear noise in the background, I'm at a conference of Catholic doctors, many of whom do not know this story. So they've invited me very kindly to come and speak and tell them about it because I think, that, I think they'll be interested. What was it that you read that, changed you on this one what was it i mean this wasn't this is not just abortion there's as happens millions of times what was it about what you read that grabbed you well i suppose in a way it you know and there's a lot of stuff but one one thing in particular um you know i tell people that you know when i start reading through all the evidence here it, it the only thing i could compare it to was the holocaust and images from the Holocaust. Mm. And famously, many of your listeners would remember the film Schindler's List, which is sepia-tinted and kind of washed out and monochromatic. But there's one piece of color in it, and it's a small child, a little toddler wearing a red coat. And that becomes significant, because at the end of the movie, you see a whole pile of bodies in Auschwitz in, a, in an open grave, and in the middle is the red coat. And the red coat in our film is Baby Boyer, a child who was born on the same day as my own father, July the 12th, which obviously struck a chord with me. And he lived for a while, and he had such an impact, and he was so big, that two of the workers took a photograph of him, and before, before Gosnell murdered him. And he had such an impact on those, on those workers, they took the photographs, those photographs of baby boy A put Gosnell behind bars. And they also did more than that, and they will do more than that by the time this film and this story gets known more widely. They humanized the whole industry, this massive, massive industry of abortion. One of the witnesses who spoke on the, tri the trial was, you know, what they call a good abortionist, a legal abortionist, who was asked, how many abortions did you do in your career? And the answer was 40,000. Mm. So this is an industrial process, and it's important for people when they're trying to get their head around these large numbers, like 60 million dead children, that they focus on just one. And baby boy A could have been legally aborted in this country. You can have an abortion in America up to nine months. And when you hear the story of the life and death of this child who struggled for life, who Gosnell joked about, Gosnell made a joke and said, oh, this baby is big enough to walk me to the bus stop, a, famous, a, famous, a very famous quote that he said, uh, you know, when he, was, when he was being questioned. And this baby, I think, has the power to change the whole world, and he certainly changed my life. And he's very much the center of the reason why we did this. Um, and one person can change the whole world, and even this baby who only lived for a very short time, 
could change the whole world. I've watched audiences watch this movie, hear the story of Baby Boyer, and be changed. I've seen it myself. We're talking to Ann McElhenney, and she and her husband, Flim, uh, Philem, that's pronounced Philem, correct? Philem. Philem McAleer produced the movie Gosnell, America's Biggest Serial Killer. It opens on August on October 12th, but there is a screening that's going to happen right here in the Inland Empire on September 24th. We're going to give you some more information about that in a moment, but we want to continue talking t- with you about the film. I watched the film, and and it is absolutely stunning. What unfolded in Philadelphia, what they found in this guy's home, what they found in his uh, clinic, if you want to call it that. It was really a house of horrors, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it's a, no, it's a very shocking story, but I would, I would just tell your listeners who might be thinking, I could never see that. We don't, and you, you can probably um, you know, mirror these comments of mine. You know, we don't show anything in the movie. We don't show anything gruesome. It's very much like a Law & Order episode. Yes. Um, but you do hear things, and you do hear what actually happened. And it's, uh, it's a very shocking story. You know, he kept trophies. He had cats walking around the clinic. He ate his breakfast cereal in the same room where the procedures were going on. He didn't employ anyone who was qualified. He had these nurses who had a seventh-grade education, had a combination of alcoholism and drug abuse, and other very, very serious psychiatric issues. And that's who was in charge of administering drugs, and doing these so-called abortions when he wasn't there. And, you know, you know, and then another shocking part in the movie, which I think is something that was very important to us, was the dereliction, the unbelievable dereliction of duty on behalf of journalists who just did not turn up to, to report the story. And then also the dereliction of duty on behalf of the Department of Health in, in Pennsylvania, who for 17 years, 17 years, did not cross the threshold to investigate what was going on there or to investigate even the death of two women. So two women died in the clinic, Karnamaya Monger, a young Bhutanese refugee who had been in America for four months before she died uh, at Godwell's hands, and Samiki Shaw, who died in 2000, an African-American mother. And no one bothered investigating. Can you believe the Department of Health did not cross the threshold even though two women died in a health clinic? That so is, there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered here, and people will be annoyed when they see the film that they were not told about this at the time. Um, but they'll also be inspired, very, very inspired, by Detective Jim Wood, the detective at the very center of this investigation, and Christine Wexler, Joanne Pescatore, and Ed Cameron, the assistant district attorneys to put this guy in prison forever. To make this clear, what, happened, what, 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 what Gosnell did was he killed, he murdered babies after they were born, after they were out of the mother's body, unlike killing them in an abortion before they're out of the out of the body, and that was the legal threshold that allowed him to be convicted. Correct. Yeah, correct. But it's interesting, you know, Christian uh, Christian Powers, who wrote very famously a wonderful op-ed in USA Today at the time. She said, you know, that 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 what he did was that what Groswell did was murder, and what is done every day legally in America is not is morally irreconcilable, and I really like that phrase. It's just geography. It's simply geography. And the idea that one is abhorrent and monstrous and one is not, um, you know, audiences will be, you know, will find it hard to make that call. And even audiences who think abortion is a great idea, they will find it hard to make that call that one is fine and one is not. That's exactly the point I was, I, was, I was driving towards, is the difference between a fourth trimester abortion and a third trimester abortion is, what you said, just geography. It's, yeah. 
outside or yeah. inside. And you say fourth fourth trimester, meaning that the baby's been born. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, the day after the baby's born, you know, it become, it has these amazing rights. The day before, when it still could live, you know, when it's a completely the viable... Before, forget about the day, forget a minute about the day before. after. Right. Minute. The second, the second the baby is born, it suddenly has all these rights, but it didn't have any rights the second earlier. Just a matter you know, of it's law. Ridiculous. And it's, yeah, and it's, and it, uh, you know, and this film really, really highlights that this and is- asks those difficult questions. And we're talking about Gosnell, America's biggest serial killer. It opens nationwide on October 12th. But our listeners have the opportunity to see a free screening courtesy of the producers of this movie and McElhenney, who is with us right now. That free screening, you can get tickets for free by going online and registering it. And you find the registration location at am590theanswer.com. Click on the rotating banner where it says free movie screening as it rotates through the top the screening is going to take place on monday september 24th at 7 p.m at the edwards ontario palace stadium 22 4900 4th street in ontario california yeah on october 12th you got to come on october 12th and it'll be open all over the country um on screens 750 screens all over the country on october 12th and the opening weekend is so important we need to do gangbusters that first weekend so that the film will stay in theaters and will expand to more theaters so that more people see this and learn the story and learn the truth about abortion in America. Absolutely. And thank you so much for making this movie, for writing the story, and for documenting this for America to wake up and understand what horror was visited then and continues to be around this country. Our guest, Anne McElhaney, who was the individual who wrote the book and produced the movie. Thank you for being with us. Have a great day. Back with more. After this word from All-Star Collision, the place to go when you have an auto accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We've just had great conversations with Craig Huey in our first half, and then with Anne McElhaney, uh, who produced and wrote and directed the Gosnell movie. And that's going to be have, we have a free premiere next Monday. Go to am590theanswer.com to get your free ticket. And we're actually going to go into a, it's been much of the Oh, news. and I, I, I need to add to that also that John Sullivan, who is uh, the executive producer of the movie and has produced a number and directed a number of Dinesh D'Souza's movies, will be at the premiere to talk about the movie. So you're going to hear the, both the premiere and then you're going to get to hear from John Sullivan, who has been very active in Dinesh D'Souza's movies and helped to, to uh, produce this one. And our next topic is one that's been in the news and the number one topic probably all week, and that is the situation with Brett Kavanaugh and the Democrats' effort to derail him. And it's actually a related 
subject to the Gosnell movie. And that is the underlying issue of abortion, that it is the holiest sacrament. Killing unborn children is the holiest sacrament in the church of liberalism. How would you like to be the Democrat Party and have a major plank in your party platform be a plank involving the genocide of the unborn? How would you like to be the Democrat Party? And yet somehow the media, the entertainment industry, the party itself, politics, the, the, the leftist industrial complex in America justifies this. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's amazing that uh, the, the party supposedly f- this, of compassion is the one that favors the unrestricted for the entire nine months of pregnancy, the killing of unborn children for any and all reasons. As we talked about with Anne, that one minute before the child is born, 30 seconds before the child is born, it's perfectly fine with them to kill the child. As soon as the child is all the way out of the mother's body, then it has legal protection. But, of course, the unborn ch- the child is the same in a minute ago or 30 seconds ago as it, is, as it is then. But that's what's going on with Brett Kavanaugh. The underlying, what's underlying all this is the fanatical attempt by the Democrats to preserve Roe v. Wade, which was a made-up provision of the Constitution to a right to an, uh, an abortion, which is in, in effect has become the right to abortion for the entire nine months of pregnancy, which is not the actual case, Seb, but that's how it's been implemented and further decisions have been made on, on, that, on that issue. And so, and we should note that we are recording this on Thursday. So this story is evolving, it's changing, and by the time this is broadcast on Saturday, Things may be different, and we were just looking on the news here that after refusing to testify, the accuser is now in negotiations to testify. You know, when and if she feels like and her attorney feels like, they'll come forward. Not Monday, but we'll see whether or when that happens. There are very few political issues make me angry. I understand the nature of our political enemies and who and what the Democrat Party and its allies are, and they are what they are, and we do, we do battle with them for freedom, for the Constitution, for the Republic, every day. But this one has me angry. Why this is that? Woman, Why is that? This, this woman, and I don't, you know, we don't know whether anything happened to her back in high school or not, says not a word for 30 years. Until in 2012, she relates some incident to her therapist. And her husband, or now ex-husband, said that at the time she was concerned that Brett Kavanaugh, then on the Court of Appeal, might be nominated to the Supreme Court by Mitt Romney if he was elected. That was the first time. This is ever brought up to a single person, not to her siblings, not to a friend, not to her spouse, not to anyone in 30 years. It was brought up in that context. And I think that's the key to this. She was setting herself up to be the next Anita Hill to stop this conservative judge from being appointed and confirmed to the Supreme Court. So now that she sends this letter to Feinstein, who still won't release the original unredacted, unredacted letter. Right. No, no evidence. Doesn't remember what year. Doesn't remember the house. Doesn't remember who else other than two names. And both of the other names, in addition to Brett Kavanaugh, have denied it. And even the party. And there was even someone who claims to be a year ahead of this lady went to the same school 
sent out a Facebook post and a tweet saying that the school was just a buzz with this matter the day after it happened. The only problem is that they claim that this thing happened during the summer. And yet this other witness to the aftermath of the event, you know, buzzing around school claims that it happened during school has since deleted the tweet in the Facebook post and has taken down her entire entire Twitter account. And oh, and the and I got to say the yearbook has been completely scrubbed because apparently at this school there were practices that, that was were her popular. School. That was the girl. That was the girls' prep school. Right. This the was, girls' prep school. This was Animal House for rich white girls. Exactly. That the the kinds of things they did back then, and I can tell you it was pretty wild and woolly back in the seventies and early seventies and late seventies. Uh, so I get the environment, but they scrubbed the yearbook so that that couldn't be used against her. Yes, and uh, you can imagine this. This is a yearbook published by the school in which the in which the girls are bragging, not specifically Ford, the accuser, but the girls who go to the school are bragging about their drinking, their promiscuity, their parties. And got parents advertising in this yearbook. That was the that was the that was the culture. So what if anything happened to this woman? Thirty years ago, thirty five years, thirty six years ago, is unknowable. The idea that it was some traumatic event like this that she now claims is is ridiculous because her behavior is for thirty years was all to the contrary. And then it's brought up only in this political context and you look at all who else she's hanging out with the democrat party these people who will lie who's her attorney who's her attorney another another democrat activist she's a far left i mean and she and she scrubbed all her social media accounts so we can't we can't you can't see what she's been posting right accuser yep so right now she's in negotiating you imagine you're bringing charges and you're going to negotiate well you know i'll show up when i feel like it what it means is further delay, delay, or what it means is can they prep her well enough so she can come out and lie in prime time under the bright lights? Well, that's exactly one of the things I think that happened here is is that you know all of a sudden you know they got this letter was received by Diane Feinstein in July, doesn't even see the light of day until days after the Senate has had its hearing, probably so that we would not have time to dig into this accusers past which is you know uh, again delay 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 they would love nothing more than to delay this until after the midterms so that the democrats can somehow claim this as a victory and you know maintain as much uh control and leverage in the senate as possible because that's really i think where the battle is shaping up now i think i think my opinion is the con- Congress the Congress is pretty much going to go into the hands of the Democrats unless key races throughout California. And that's why it's so important to get out to vote. Key races throughout California can be won. But assuming that the control of the uh, House goes to the Democrats, then it's a matter of the Senate, because any effort to do anything that they want to in the House is going to fall on deaf ears in the Senate if they don't have enough votes to push it through the Senate as well. James Woods said that uh, if Republicans don't stand up to these Me Too lynchings. The Democrats will destroy them one nomination, one election, one man at a time. These fabricated smear jobs are a calculated cancer. The line in the sand must be drawn. And there's when you study what happened with Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas, when you study with the, the borking of Judge Bork, there are not... not there are similarities in the modus operandi of all of these high-tech lynchings. Well, they are. And one other thing I wish we should remember. 
And there was a story that came out, I don't remember, I think it was December of 17, that Gloria Allred's daughter, Lisa Bloom, was responsible for paying one of the women that made accusations in 2016 against Donald Trump $30,000, and she arranged for an offer of $750,000 to another woman if she would make accusations against Donald Trump, and the woman declined to do so. Are these the only two women that the Democrats are offering and paying money to? Probably not. How much, of any, has this Ford woman been offered or paid? And you look back, how much were the women that came after 30, 20, 30, 40 years of old allegations against Republican senatorial candidate Roy Moore at the last minute? How much were they offered or paid? You understand who they're dealing with. And that is part why I'm so skeptical of Ford's accusations. It's because it's being, it's part of a Democrat deceitful, dirty tricks political operation. You know how, Sometimes you're, sometimes you're supposed to believe women making accusations against men without question, automatically, regardless of the evidence, and sometimes not. And our, our listeners might be confused as to when they are required to automatically, unquestionably believe a woman making accusations against a man. And the answer is actually quite simple. When the man is a Republican, we must believe the allegations regardless and without evidence. It's... This is, in many respects, the way that the Democrat, and this is the era of Trump, this is what we're seeing. If anything that Donald Trump has done, and we've covered a lot of things that he has successfully implemented in his agenda, if anything, Donald Trump has peeled back the cover on the way that things work in Washington, D.C., and around the country inside the Democrat Party, inside politics, inside the bureaucracies. We're seeing it up close and personal and it gets uglier and uglier by the minute confirm Kavanaugh do what is right stand up for truth and justice otherwise as James Wood said we'll see this again and again and again that's all the time for we have this week on Unite IE Radio please tune in next week when uh, we have some very good guests including Robert Spencer of Jihad Watch see you next week When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.